May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. At 6 a.m. on May 10, 1940, the German envoy to, the, um, to Holland uh, delivered a telegram to the Dutch Minister of Foreign Affairs um, that the Dutch understood straight away to be a declaration of war. Um, the, uh, the Germans later tried to spin it, that they were simply offering protection, but nobody believed that, not even for a minute. The, the, the telegram read like this. Announced, this is from Germany to Holland, announcement of deployment of enormous German military force. Any resistance is completely futile. Germany guarantees European and extra-European possessions and the dynasty if any resistance remains absent. Else, danger of complete annihilation of the country and of the form of government. Therefore, demand urgently to appeal to the people and forces and further demand establish contact with German military commanders. It doesn't sound like an offer of protection at all, does it? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to hear them say, we're coming and resistance is futile. In 2001, the United States of America broadcast a message uh, to the Taliban in Afghanistan. It simply said this over and over again, you will be attacked by land, sea, and air. Resistance is futile. And perhaps more memorable still, Darth Vader, fighting young Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes Back, says, you are beaten. It is useless to resist. <laughs> Don't let yourself be destroyed, as Obi-Wan did. Oh, I almost got that out. And all the nerds smiled. Oh, look at all of you smiling. Never knew there were so many of you. Yes, uh, resistance is futile. Don't fight back. Give up. Victory is certain. Do yourself a favor. How does the old adage go? Sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. You know, that comes from uh, uh, Henry IV, uh, Shakespeare's Henry IV, where Prince Hal, he finds this um, cowardly Falstaff laying on the battlefield. He assumes he's dead. He walks off the stage, and Falstaff looks up, and he reasons with the audience, and he says, the better part of valor is discretion, and the better part, I have saved my life. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes, sometimes the best idea is simply not to resist. When resistance is futile, the wise just play dead. Only they usually don't, right? Pride is usually a greater force than logic in these moments, isn't it? In the fifth grade, I knew fighting Shane Lee Master was a fool's errand. He was huge. I was tiny. And um, I just could not resist. I still, you know, I wasn't going to be bullied. I wanted his fist to hit my face, and um, I managed to make that happen. Black eye and everything. I wasn't going to be bullied by this big oaf. We became great friends. Um, the Taliban took up arms. You know the story. Hitler refused to surrender. Napoleon marched into Waterloo. Custer's 7th Cavalry rode into Little Bighorn. Sometimes, even though defeat is all but certain, it doesn't matter. The last battle will be a noisy, vociferous one. A final stand. But a fight back. In the Gospel lesson today, um, we have Mark telling us how Jesus enters into his public ministry. I always think it's interesting if you look at the very, I mean, there's so many ways to, to compare the Gospels and to look at them and, and see the different emphases they each have. In, in Matthew's Gospel, for instance, it, it's, it's great hilarity. There's, there's nothing but, but goodness at the beginning. You know, everybody's excited and thrilled, and, and Jesus is this great teacher. He, he launches immediately into the Sermon on the Mount, you know, this, this wonderful sermon. Um, in Luke, Jesus goes home to Nazareth. 
And he stands up in the synagogue and the people want to kill him. You remember they want to take him to the edge of the city and throw him off the cliff. Now, in John, Jesus turns water into wine, saves a young couple from disgrace, throws a big party. But in Mark, things are quite different. There's this, um, there's this tension. There's, uh, there's, there's a lot of excitement, but there's also a lot of angst that goes on. Um, uh, Mark loves to make situations ironic all the time and, and to kind of bring us into the tension. But more than that, the speed is dizzying. If you've ever read through Mark's gospel, you know that Jesus comes out, he says, repent and believe, and then immediately from there, he goes into this ministry that is marked by a key word throughout Mark's, um, his gospel. Can I, could you bear with me and just hear a different translation? Not the one I have in my hand, not the one that's in your, in your bulletin, but a, yet a different one. And they, that is Jesus and his newly called disciples, went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath day went into the synagogue and was teaching and they were astonished upon his teaching for he was teaching as one having authority and not like the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue an unclean spirit in a man and he cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Then Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him down, crying out with a loud voice, and came out of him. Then everyone was amazed, so much that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately this report went out everywhere throughout the entire region surrounding Galilee. In Mark's Greek, the word uthus, immediately, Three times in that small passage. Three times it appears immediately, immediately, immediately. In fact, 41 times in Mark's gospel, the word immediately appears. By contrast, Matthew only has the, the same word six times in 28 chapters, and, uh, and Luke only three times in 24 chapters. I mean, it's a, in Mark's gospel, boom, but, and it's almost certain that Matthew and Luke used Mark's gospel as the basis for their own. So it's clear that Mark uses this word intentionally and the others intentionally do not. In Mark, the kingdom is coming into the world and it's changing everything fast. Everything quickly is changing. But there's a little bit of irony too, isn't there? Did you notice what day this happens on? On the Sabbath day, you say. Of course I know. You read it to me twice. <laughs> we heard it once and then we heard it. Yeah, it's on the Sabbath day. Just making sure you're paying attention. And do you, did you remember where this took place? Of course, it's in the synagogue. On the holy day, in the holy place, and Jesus is teaching when this man with this unclean, as the word Mark uses, a man with an unclean spirit shows up. And you almost want to say... Well, well, how did you get in here? You know, did, uh, did, did you have a ticket? You know, what are you doing in this place? This isn't where you're supposed to be. This is the holy day and the holy place and we're studying the holy book. And here this man with an unclean spirit shows up. Perhaps Mark's way of saying, you know, that sometimes there's evil even in the midst of, of religion, even in the midst of a place where people gather for worship. And again, um, the, the translation's a bit dicey. Uh, the man with an unclean spirit, actually, uh, Mark uses the word in. There's an unclean spirit in the man. And sometimes, I, you know, as I look through this, I, I was, I was, I was kind of challenged to think, well, does this man come barging in? You know, is it, are they gathered in a place like this? You know, and, and in the back door comes running this man uh, with his unclean spirit. Or is there a person inside the synagogue that is suddenly possessed by an unclean spirit. And it's, it's difficult, again, uh, 
to discern and to tell what Mark is saying. But we do know this, that in the middle of this holy activity in this holy place on this holy day, Jesus comes into direct conflict with evil. But there's another part I really want you to see. And that is what Jesus says to the man. What does he say? He, he says to him, or Jesus, Mark says, Jesus rebuked the man and he said, be silent and come out of him. Be silent and come out. Just two commands. You know, sometimes, you know, you give multiple commands to somebody. Let's say, for instance, somebody at work, you know, they work for you. And you say, you know, do this, this, this. And then they come back and they're like, oh, did you tell me to do that too? Yeah, that's why I told you, like, three things, you know. I want you to do this, this, and this. And they come back and they did two of them. Well, you know, Jesus only gives two commands here. Be silent and come out. And you say, and that's exactly what happened. I heard it in the text. Well, just one moment. Just pause one second and look at it again, will you? Will you take your bulletin and look with me? At this. In verse 25, Jesus says, or Mark says, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out. And then look at verse 26. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out. Two commands be silent and come out. But what happens first? He convulsed him. This word means to, um, it means to shake violently. It's like if you, um, I don't know how you play Yahtzee. You ever play Yahtzee? It's a game of dice, you know. When I shake those things up, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah it's going to be better. I want to get a better roll because I've damaged the dice in this. Little, you know, um, it, if you, this, is, this is like, the, and, or maybe like um, if you've ever seen somebody, God forbid, who has epilepsy, you know, who would, would go into a violent Seizure. This is actually a, a word that would describe an epileptic seizure. You know, a terrible, violent seizure. So this man, who's possessed by this by this uh, this unclean spirit, this demonic force, it, falling on the floor, convulsing violently. Two commands: be silent, come out. Nothing about convulsing. Nothing. Nothing about shaking him up like Yahtzee dice. You know, nothing like that. But notice what else happens: convulsing him. And look at it. Look at the text right there. And crying out with a loud voice. Phone son, phone megale. Mega. A mega loud voice. A, you even recognize that word, don't you? It's like the big giant bag of potato chips, right? It's the mega one, you know? This is, this is big. This is a scream, a shriek. Be silent, Jesus said. He is not silent at all. He's violent, screaming. With a great loud voice. And then, finally, comes out. Resistance may be futile, but that doesn't mean there will not be resistance. Even these demonic forces are resistant in the face of Jesus' command. Okay, you say, well, that's... um, that's all quite interesting, but what does that mean to us? I mean, so what? You know, in the, in the question that the demon asked Jesus is, what to me and you? You know, what to us and you? What, what does this mean to us? Well, the first thing I think is that we are called in Mark's gospel to follow Jesus. I mean, this is the command, right? Come, follow me. And straight away, Jesus goes in and he's confronting evil head on. I think he's calling us to do the same. Sometimes it's in vulgar places. Sometimes it's in sacred spaces. You know, sometimes he's calling us to confront evil in all sorts of places in the world. We are called to do what he does. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, Joe, if I ever come into contact contact, with a demon-possessed person, 
I'm calling you, you know. I know that's what you're going to do. I'm not 